Pickaxe. Hey all, I'm Dr. Alok Kanoja, but the internet knows me as Dr. K. I spent seven years studying to become a monk and then became a psychiatrist. I want to tell you a little bit about my podcast, Healthy Gamer GG where we combine my clinical experience of practicing psychiatry and sprinkle in years of experience as a meditation teacher and sort of focus on spirituality. So on the podcast, we're going to approach very common everyday problems from each of these lenses. And what we really do well is blend science and spirituality to create the most accessible solutions for people for their everyday problems. So check us out at Healthy Gamer GG on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple. Hello everyone, and welcome to Video Game, the movie, the podcast, uh, with myself, Rory Justin of Cyberpunk Studios, and with me is Jamie Evans from Impala Films. I'm here under duress. Well, you're not here under duress, because we're going to watch your favourite movie, which is the Super Mario Brothers movie. This movie is garbage. It's not garbage, and we're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to agree with me by the end, I know you will. So... <laughs> Let's be clear, the reason I started this podcast, because this is the first one, uh, which is why it made sense to start with the first proper Hollywood movie based on a single video game franchise. This is the first one, isn't it? It is the first one. So, essentially, the reason that I decided that this was a good one to go with is because of that, but the reason I wanted to do this podcast at all is because during uh, the lockdown of 2020 and 2021, due to COVID, uh, I was looking at a lot of different things online, because... A lot of us had a lot more time, and a lot of websites, certainly sort of half-journalism websites, would post up articles saying, all 30 video game movies ever made ranked in order. And they haven't watched the films, you can tell by what they say and how they reference it. They've literally just gone on something like Rotten Tomatoes, pulled up the complete list that's on there, which isn't all of the video game adaptations at all, it's not even close, because I own about 84 different adaptations so i was like all 30 um but there's also a lot of stigma connected to the genre either rightly or wrongly which we'll go through as we go through the series and i do think just to be clear we're not just covering actual straight adaptations in this are we we're also covering movies that are about video games or inspired by video games yes not literally just one-to-one Assassin's Creed the movie, Doom the movie. Yes, so we will be covering things, obviously, like Doom the movie, Assassin's Creed, Super Mario Brothers today. Uh, (laughs) You lucky, lucky boy. Shush. If you like Tron, you like Super Mario Brothers. If you like Avengers Endgame, you like Super Mario Brothers. Avengers Endgame and Super Mario Brothers have nothing. They're almost the same film. (laughs) What the I knew that would upset him. Now... (laughs) It's definitely better than Resident Evil, the first the Resident Evil movies. Only because I care about Resident Evil and therefore I'm upset that it was ruined. I actually don't care about Mario because I, like all cool kids, was a Sonic fan. So was I. So so there we go. And, and we'll come to Sonic because obviously there's several pieces of media. There's the new film that they released in mm. 2019. But if I, I've quick, got the anime. I've got it on VHS and I've got it on Quick side thing. Uh, do, do you think now that we're getting a new Super Mario film and we live in a world with a new Sonic film, do you reckon we might eventually get a Sonic v Mario movie? I don't know because they can't get bring them together in a video game. The only time they could was um, an offshoot. Who, who owns the, the movie rights? Well, the the movie rights for Mario, I believe, are with not with Sony. Who are they with? 
Uh, I don't know, actually. I think it's with... It's one of the big um, animation studios that are doing it. Oh, it I is, I think it's yeah. Universal that have Sonic. So right. they would have to agree to work together to bring those two together. Yeah, I don't think they'll do it. Um, but anyway, so back onto the point. Uh, I wanted to go through every single video game adaptation, and there's a lot of them. As mentioned, we'll be doing things like F-Zero, the TV series as well. Um, there's Mortal Kombat Conquest. Most people don't know much about that series. Um, so there's a lot of things like that we'll also be going into. But as well as that, there'll be games, that, there'll be films, sorry, that are based on video game culture. So there's one that I've got, I had to import it from Germany because I'm an absolute trash monkey, uh, which is called Noobs, uh, which was is very heavy on Gears of War 3 and was made in uh, the early 2010s. Mm. Uh, we've we're going to be doing one about oh, Stay God. Alive, a 2006 oh, movie, God. which is a horror. I've just realised true horror. Far more horrifying than Stay Alive, because Stay Alive isn't scary at all. <gasps> um, Jiro, Jiro, I've just realised we're going to have to cover... What? Pixels. Yeah, it's a great film. So there's... <laughs> I knew that upset you as well. I like upsetting you. That's why I say most of what I say. So we're opening up with Super Mario Brothers. We're going to do this in four stages. We're going to start by discussing the story. We're then going to discuss the visual elements. Now, And, and we'll, discuss, uh, we'll discuss that at that point. Uh, the audio... Uh, which includes the soundtrack, the quality of the sound, because some films sound good, some films sound bad, etc. Uh, and then we're going to do a final segment on references. There are a lot of movies either based on video games or loosely based on video games, such as the aforementioned Noobs and Stay Alive, which reference video games and video game culture, but aren't necessarily based on one. Uh, so we'll start off with story. Jamie, do you want to kick off uh, about the story, or did you want me to start? 65 million years ago, there was a meteor that hit the Earth. Bye-bye dinosaurs! And some... (laughs) Yeah, and somehow split the fucking world into two parallel dimensions. Because that's a thing meteors do now. Well, uh, yeah. So you get two parallel Earths, but for some reason one Earth uh, blossoms into our planet, and one Earth is entirely desert... Except for one city called <sighs> Dino Hatton. To be fair, it's not actually called Dino Hatton in the movie. It's just what fans have called it. Oh, uh, but I Dino Hatton, to the statement then. But Dino Hatton is a cool name for it because it's, it? it's yeah because it's a parallel Manhattan, including the Twin <laughs> Towers. I just got it. It's Manhattan Man- and it's Man- Manhattan. Manhattan. Dino. Dino okay, fair enough. There I just go. got that one. Fair enough. They, anyway, see, it's a good name. I told you, you'll learn to appreciate so this film. With in, me. in this parallel world, dinosaurs <laughs> didn't die and instead evolved into also similarly into humans. humans. Every single type of dinosaur evolved into humans, apart from the old throwback. Uh, yeah. So the film opens with Daisy's mum dropping off uh, an egg to a nunnery in our world and then being killed by Cooper on the attempt to get back. Uh, and then it jumps into the future, and we join the Mario Brothers. Now, the Mario Brothers are literally just plumbers at this point, and you've got two brilliant actors in the roles. Whoa, whoa, Bob whoa, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. What are you... Don't tell me you don't like those actors. You said two brilliant actors. I only heard you name one. John Legos. I'm kidding. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. How don't get wrong. Fucking dare you, son. I, I don't. I don't. I don't hate John Leguizamo, but he is nowhere near on the level of former. Uh, was he a Sir Bob Hoskins by the time he died? Uh, he was. Mm, was he knighted? I think he was. I don't remember. Well, Bob, point is, Bob Hoskins was fantastic, and Leguizamo is middling at best. 
no, I thought Lokozama did a good job. You've got to bear in mind as well, the, 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 it was kind of a risk having him as a lead. Because there wasn't a lot of Mexican, or sorry, not Mexican, Hispanic leads is what I meant, sorry. Not a lot of Hispanic leads in Hollywood films of the era. Oh no, but I'm just talking about their careers as a whole, not specifically in this film. Bob Hoskins is a great actor. Okay, so I think you're being a bit unfair there. Sure, Leguizamo has not gone on to have a career similar to Bob Hoskins or like any of that kind of ilk. But that doesn't mean that he's not good in this film. He can be a good actor in one film. I mean, Arnie's crap in some films, but he's great in things like The Terminator. Yeah, but you said he's... You said two great actors are in this film, not two great performances. I would argue he's not a great if you, actor. You, you can't be. A, you can't give a great performance if you're not a great actor, surely. Of course you can. You can be an actor who gives one great performance in your entire like a one hit one. No, no, fair enough. No, I'll agree with you on that. Fair play. You, but you you think it's a great performance, but not a great actor. Well, I wouldn't even say great. Yeah, great performance. performance. We heard it here first. I wouldn't even say great performance. This is Jamie's favourite film. He just hasn't yet <sighs> accepted it. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know why you have this weird obsession with this film. Let me explain. This film is unique. And no one can take that away from it, whether they love the film or loathe the film. And I know most people loathe it. But it is genuinely unique. There is no other mm-hmm. film that is like it. There is no film that has a backstory that is so important, I think, to as a, like a, a, a warning allegory for upcoming filmmakers than this film. Because a lot of the film was ruined by huge amounts of studio interference and then a lot of childish reactions to that studio interference from directors and things like that where they destroyed all their own storyboards out in a, in a great big huff and then essentially left the film to go into rack to ruin. That makes this film unique as a story mechanism for people who want to learn to go into film like you and I. And it's also, in and of itself, there is, no, there is literally no film that is like this film. You couldn't go, mm. this is a copy of... There's yeah. elements that you could say are, are heavily inspired by other things. But uh, and, and another thing as well, you look at all of the... This is one of those films where all the elements are fantastic, but because the script was so bad, none of it came together to make a cohesive whole. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting that... You know, one of the most common complaints levelled at video game films is that very, very often they are nothing at all like the game they're based on. Sure. And it's interesting, this is the first of the video game adaptations, and it starts right here at the beginning. Well, it's the first Hollywood. I want to stress that. Right. Because there were several adaptations of video games before this during the early 80s and the early to late 80s, uh, during the 80s, basically. Um, So uh, in the early 80s, there was a show called Starcade. Uh, No, sorry, the Saturday Supercade, it was called. There was Starcade as well, I'll get to that. Uh, So the Saturday Supercade was um, an animated TV series. Again, I've got the episodes, we can watch that eventually. Which had the first ever animated cartoons of Mario in Mm -hmm. the Donkey Kong series. Donkey Kong Jr., Pac-Man, Frogger, uh, and I think Cuba had a cartoon in that as well. Uh, So there was, and that was 1980... Two to eighty-four, I think that was. Yeah, there was Starcade, which was like uh, a Wheel of Fortune style game, but with arcade gaming right. uh, as its main theme. So it was a game show. Uh, there was, uh, and actually, even if you're looking at Mario as a specific entity, this is not the first piece of media committed to film for Mario. Mm. It's the first Hollywood piece of media. But prior to this, in nineteen eighty-five. 
1985, there was three animated shorts. So there was Super Mario Mamataro, Super Mario Isenbun, I think it's called. And then there's another one I don't yet have. Um, but essentially, the first two that I mentioned are based on Japanese folklore stories. Mm. The third one is based on Snow White. And then after they did those, in 1986, they released a, a, a well a feature length for anime, so an OVA length, 60 minute, called, uh, I don't remember the full name because it's poxy long because it's Japanese. Mm. Essentially, it's, it's Super Mario Brothers, Peach no Hime, and then there's more to that title, but Peach no Hime will be enough for you to search it up. And that's a 60 minute art with Mario and Luigi going into going, getting sucked into a TV to go and save Peach and reconnect her with her her boyfriend who is a prince who's been currently turned into a dog. Well, I thought Mario was her boyfriend. No. Uh, so this is the thing. This is and this is another lie that people have thought throughout the years. It's like, oh, Hollywood screws all this up. Which I'm not going to lie, they do. Uh, but <laughs> it's like Hollywood screws this up. If only the Japanese did it, it'd be proper. And it's like, but they did it before. America did it, and maybe they didn't screw up quite as much. There's a lot more that connects it to the original video games, but actually they still screwed up. Yeah. Because the Prince character that was in Peach no Hime is never seen in any other piece of Nintendo media ever. Mm. Not any of the animations, not any of the games, yeah. none of it. So, so to go back to topic, this film is the first live-action adaptation, though. Because everything oh. you've just listed was all animated. So, yeah, all of that's animated... I th- or a game show. <laughs> so uh, even that's arguable. Uh, if you're going to, so technically you could say Tron is the first live action adaptation, but not a, of a singular video game. There is the borderline. I've never seen Tron. No, it's good. Uh, is it? Yes, uh, of its time, but it is good. Tron Legacy is the bad one, isn't it? Tron Legacy is the sequel, and there's also Tron Uprising, which is a uh, CGI animation. Jesus Christ! Um, yeah, uh, there's. <laughs> It never ends, ladies and gentlemen, never ends. There's also a um, a live-action film called The Last Starfighter. Now, that didn't have a video game come out, but Atari were working on it when they sunk during the mid-80s. Mm. So it was kind of built with having a video game in mind. There's an Atari cabinet in the film with the game playing, but it's not. It's just a, a kind of a mock-up of what so the game would be. It was kind of designed concurrently. Yeah, it was designed to be, right, and then Atari will build this game, release it on their home systems and in the arcade, and it will then become a legit video game-based movie. But they made the film. The film was successful-ish. It was also the first film that was literally full of the gills with CGI, uh, for space shots and stuff like that, though I, I, I can't remember if it predates Tron or if it's just after. But it was—it's quite surprising considering how early the film was, just how much CGI is in it because mm. it's early '80s and it's all it, into out of space shots and all of this and battle sequences like Star Wars style battle sequences, all in CGI. And it's no worse than Episode One, uh, <laughs> The Phantom Menace. So, and it was a good twenty years prior. It's arguable, but. For for argument's sake, this is the first video game, live action video game movie adaptation by Hollywood on a specific franchise. Mm. Long winded way of putting it, but that's what it is. So during this story, um, we don't necessarily need to go through it pace by pace, but you've got Bob Hoskins as Mario, John Leguizamo as Luigi, and they are trying to get plumbing work. There is a guy called Scapelli who is like a mafioso goon who goes around and he's threatening Daisy at her archaeological dig site. When Luigi gets the hots for Daisy, asks her out on a date, after the date they go back to the dig site and Scapelli tries to flood it. 
I'm shortening the intro quite a lot because let's be honest, most of I, the good stuff is in Dino Hatton. I was in I was unclear on why Scapelli's trying to flood the dig site. Did because you happen to he, catch that? It's because he wants to get rid of the archaeological dig so he can continue building something, though right. they never really explain what it is he's building. See one of the interesting things is there is a scaffolding around them. That obviously a building was started when they found the bones. Yeah. But we don't know what the building was gonna be, and that was actually a reference to Donkey Kong that got cut. Right. Apparently, uh, one of the scripts, Scapelli, when he got de-evolved into a monkey, he was going to be de-evolved Donkey into Kong. Donkey Kong. Dear God. And Danny, he was going to kidnap Daniela, and Mario would have to stop him. And the thing is, Daniela in this script, her middle name in the script, though it's not mentioned in the film, Pauline. was Pauline, which was the woman who got kidnapped by Donkey Kong in the first game. Yeah. So there's there was a lot of references that were made and cut or not explained. This film is literally packed to the gills with genuine references to the show, but we'll come back to that. So, I mean, do we need to go through the story, really? Well, I, th- I think we should, I- because there is some, there's a lot of hilarity here. So, basically, yes. Daisy is kidnapped, and they chase Scapelli's... Well, no, they chase Iggy Cooper's and goons, Iggy and yeah. Spike... Uh, down into this dig site where they come across a portal for no reason. Well, that's where the portal is. Yeah, it's just that's where the portal is. <laughs> that's it's where it is. Where, where did you want the portal to be? For so a Stargate? They, well, I want to know why there's a portal. Because well, it's the bit that connects the dimensions. The meteorite hit Yeah, there. but I want to know why there's a split dimension. Because <laughs> the, the meteorite... <laughs> <laughs> if Stephen Hawking was still alive, he would be rolling over in his chair. It came out while he was very much still alive. I'm sure yes. he rolled over in his I'm bed sure while he, he was hated there. It. I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure he found it full of infinite wisdom and possibilities. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So they go to this place, Dinohattan, which is kind of a slum-like, very neon-coloured, very large set. It's a very impressive set. Built by um, David L. Snyder, you, you who was ex- the set designer for Blade Runner. Yeah, you were explaining to me, Rory, that actually the whole set, it's one huge set, as opposed to, like, little sets that they took down, put up. It's one yeah. giant set. It was built inside of an abandoned cement factory, and they built, yeah, so when you get the big sweeping shot from the subway area with the cars driving through it all the way up to the top floor there is a point where there is a blue screen to add a skyline because obviously it had a roof but other than that all of the elements within the cement factory are all shown in that one shot so when you've got cooper in his office and you've got the glass looking down onto the street that's literally the glass that looks down onto Mm. the street with the rest of the sets that were built yeah so yeah and and it be clear, do or do not, the sets look phenomenal. Yeah, the sets look very good. Yeah. The sets look very good. <laughs> Again, a uh, part of the whole thing that this film has amazing parts that never come together to make yeah. a cohesive whole. And basically <clears throat> this city, which, as we've just alluded to, is ruled over by a man called Cooper, played by Dennis Hopper, with a borderline cornrows-looking haircut. Yes. Um, That's very much based on the, uh, the hairstyle that... Bowser had, or Cooper had, well, it is Bowser, on the original NES artwork for the first Super Mario Brothers game. If you look at that artwork, Cooper, he's a grey colour, and he has semi, not quite cornrows, it's more sort of fiery hair, but it is slicked back in the way that it is in this film. Yeah. It's slicked back in the same way. Later on, it becomes more of a mohawk, like an orange mohawk, rather than yellow cornrows. But in that artwork, I'm pretty certain that's where they got the basis for. Yeah. Because it's pretty much spot on to that artwork. Just so happens that that artwork is no longer canon. Yeah. (laughs) 
and this is where things get a little complicated. So basically, all you need to know is this city is being choked to death by a mysterious kind of fungus. We don't know where the fungus is coming from yet. Don't worry, we'll get there. But we know that Cooper's afraid of it. Yeah, and the other thing we know is that Cooper has invented an a devolution ray that allows him to devolve anyone who he hits with it, basically. Mm. And that's how he's created his army of henchmen, the Goombas, by devolving people into lizard things. So, remind me, Rory, in the Mario video game, how would you describe a Goomba? Well, they've got really huge heads... Like mushroom heads. Yeah, yeah. They're and mushrooms. tiny little bu- bodies. Yeah, you could say it. They're mushrooms. They're mushrooms. Yeah, they're brown mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. So so in this film, they are they have bodies the size of Andre the Giant. Yep. And heads the size of a pea. Yes. Mm. I don't know what your problem and is. And they're lizards. Yes. But actually But they should be mushrooms. But there's three different kinds as well. Yes, I noticed. Yes. So there's, there's the long-snouted ones. Yep, there's the ones that look like, um, or that kind of look a bit like Cooper Troopers. Mm. There's the ones that look like Goombas, if you want to call it that, but they don't really. And then <laughs> there's the ones that have snake heads. Yes. So you've got three distinct types, but most people, like the snake heads are the rarest ones to see in the film. Mm. But they are all in there. And they're all dumb as boxes of rocks, but they like yes. to dance. They like to get jiggy with it. Absolutely. Um, and basically, Cooper's evil plan is that he has uncovered the meteorite that split the dimensions and there is a chunk of it missing. Said chunk is the MacGuffin of the film, which is in a necklace around Daisy's neck. Yes. And if Cooper can reinsert this into the meteorite... Then the world will merge. The worlds will merge and his intention obviously being that he will then rule our version of earth yes so that's i I mean here's the thing what i never understand is there seems to be this massive want that uh cooper needs the meteorite piece to do that Mm. when other act when other characters in there decide no i'm gonna do it instead lena specifically uh his assistant decides to do it without him grabs her and she's he's like hang on lena's got the rock somebody get her stop her and so why because if she merges the dimensions, you're still the guy with the army. Mm. The, the whole point is, it, oops, sorry. The, the whole point isn't that you have the, you're the guy who inserted the rock. Therefore, you are ruler. It doesn't matter who inserts the rock. It's the fact that the worlds merge and you have the army to take over. Could it be? And I can't believe I'm about to defend this movie. Yes. Could it be? It's just working because when she does that, it kills her. And Daisy has a throwaway line where she says only one of the royal family can do it. Yes. Do, is Cooper trying to save Lena? Is that why he wants to stop her? It's actually quite Because he possible. knows she'll die? Yeah, possibly. Because he never says he doesn't care about her, but Lena just gets jealous over Daisy mm. because he's obsessed with using Daisy. Yeah. Um, though he, there is obviously a, se- a, a semi-kind of rapey scene from him mm. towards Daisy at one point which yeah. kind of suggests that maybe he hasn't really got that much interest in Lena yeah um, and by the way Le- Lena is portrayed by noted stage thespian Harry Potter actor True Blood actor uh, Fiona Shaw yes. another great actress slumming it in this movie it's absolutely got some phenomenal actors in it mm. yeah and I mean, her performance was great for what was needed for the film. But again, you, you're right. Why is she slumming it in this? But if you look at the crew that was put together, and you look at the cast that was put together, 
this like and ignore the fact that it's meant to be a Super Mario Brothers movie and forget and yeah. say it's before the film has been made. Yeah, just say it's a generic science yeah. fiction. Movie. It's like there's a science fiction movie with this cast and this crew. You'd be on board. Yep, because. The crew and the cast are top notch. Yeah, like you said, set designer from Blade Runner. Yep, you've got uh, the musician direct- from uh, Back to the Future. Yep. Directors from, from Max Headroom. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Fiona Shaw. Yep. Samantha Mathis. Yep. So you've got an awful lot of presence there. That obviously, while I, I will agree, it doesn't come together into being a superb piece of work from someone who is in the film industry at the time, not necessarily a gamer. Looking at a sci-fi with that cast and crew, you'd be like, I need to be on that. That sounds like it's going to be a breakout success. Yeah, but you know what also did that? Movie 43. Movie 43 was weird. I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk about Movie 43. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the same, at least. At least these guys willingly signed up to fucking yeah. Super Mario Brothers. They didn't willingly sign up yeah. to Movie 43. So... Long story short, hijinks ensue. I don't know if you wanted to go into specifics here. Stop Not me really. if you do. No, you go but ahead. Basically, uh, there's some adventuring. You know, Mario seduces a large lady named Big Bertha. Yep. They get some hover boots at one point that allow them to jump really high. Um, and then we get to sort of the end game, and the worlds start to merge, and uh, Scapelli gets devolved into a chimp, and. Bowser. It goes uh, a bit mad. Let's put it that yeah, way. It goes a bit mad. Um, and it, it kind of... So two funny things happen at the end. One is Mario uses a bob Yep. to uh, help him. A bob with a fuse literally the length of my thumbnail that somehow burns for ten straight minutes yep. before it explodes. And Reebok sneakers. And has Reebok The You know what? Possibly the most heinous piece... <laughs> Of product placement I have ever seen. Because this bob right? You can't see the Reeboks on it at all until it walks upside down so you can see the soles of its feet, at which point Dennis Hopper looks down at it and the camera zooms right in to show us those Reebok signs. Oh, yeah. And then it explodes. The other thing is there's a huge missed opportunity here, which is they use the Devolvo Ray on Bowser, uh, Cooper and transform him into a T-Rex. To me, what should have been the clear ending of the film, so that it had any relation whatsoever to um, the game, is the T-Rex then should have come after Mario and Luigi. They should have ended up on like a walkway above a pit of lava. Yep. And the film should have ended with Mario jumping over Cooper and dropping this walkway somehow, like you do in the classic games, and dropping Cooper into the thing. And I've just realised what the actual ending... So, if you don't mind me just quickly covering the right ending. So the actual ending for this film sets up a sequel, right? And it sets it up completely wrong. Because let me tell you what it should have done. The actual ending is Samantha... Oh, by the way, sorry, we skipped one bit, which is it then turns out that this fungus that's been choking the city... It's only Lance Henriksen, yes, who is who is the king. He's the mushroom king who was devolved into fungus. So that was a day shoot because he's only in it for one short, very short scene. The Rice Krispies he coughs out were his idea, and the uh, <laughs> which is what he coughs out when he uh, he clears his throat. Mm. But also he says he doesn't regret the film. He loved doing the film. The reason he loved doing it was he met his second wife on that film. Really? Yeah. So he, for Lance, him, he Lance said, Henriksen, you dog, you are on a film for literally <laughs> half a day, and you meet your wife. Yep. Well, second wife. Second wife. I think he's divorced and married since. 
Oh, well, so, Lance Henriksen's a boss. Anyway, yeah, the actual way they should have done the sequel setup here, not that there should, should ever be a sequel and there never was, <gasps> but the, the actual sequel setup is Samantha Mathis, Daisy, after staying in the dinosaur world, ends up coming back to our Earth, kicks down a door with a gun, and goes, Mario, Luigi, come with me, you'll never believe what happened. That's not what should have happened. I'll tell you exactly what should have happened. Mario has a girlfriend in this called Danielle. Yes. And she's missing for most of the film because she's been kidnapped by a Cooper. Yep, that's right. And what should have happened at the end of this film, again, to reference the game, is she should have stayed locked up for the whole film. After they've beat Cooper, he runs to the prison, and there should have been a dude there who goes, Sorry, Mario, your princess is oh, in another castle. That, that might have been in a bit, yeah. But and then the sequel is them actually going to the right castle. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would have pissed people off even more if that if if that's if you can imagine that's possible. Don't you think it's a better opening line, a closing line though? If you just close with a close up of Bob Hoskins' sweaty mustache and his face going what? <coughs> Jesus, you're pink like hell there. Oh, sorry. Let me do that again. What? <laughs> Still pink. Never mind. Uh, but yeah. So, do you really think that there's a better ending for this than? The Super Cooper Cousins. I think the better ending would be that Sonic turns up and kicks all their asses. <sighs> um, and and comes in with a um, with Sega's 90s branding, where he's like, Sega does what Nintendo. That would have been cool. Mm. But I don't think Nintendo would have liked it. Do you know been even cooler and much more meta? Because remember, this is the early 90s. We're not far off meta becoming the popular thing, right? No, that's true. This should have ended with Mario and Luigi going to, going back in time to prevent Bob Hoskins and Leguizamo from no, no, signing no, no. onto this movie. No, 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 no. Never put Mario going back through time. They did that on the Panasonic Laser Vision. Mario fans hate that. Panasonic Laser Vision? You know what the Panasonic Laser Vision is? Why would I know what that is? It's a game console by Panasonic. Panasonic made a game console? Using laser discs. And they had Nintendo franchises on their right. console that oh. they made. Did they, make, did they make that awful Zelda Link game boy. that I always see? Yes. It's like hand-drawn. Yes, Link, my Ooh. boy. Yes. That, so they had uh, three, a two or th- no, at least two Zelda titles on there. Yeah. Wind of Gamelon and one where you actually played Wind Zelda. of Gammon? Gamelon. I'm quite hungry. I could go for some gammon. Some gammon. Well, I don't know. You just piss off a bald guy outside and you'll get a gammon. There's <laughs> <laughs> reference to political humour and the destruction wick. of British society. Uh, did I just say wick? Yeah, what does that mean? I'm old. You don't know what wick means. I assume it's short for wicked. Yeah, but... Uh, Why don't you say wicked? Because because wick was popular to say in, like, 2001. Tubular. <laughs> no, that was probably a 90s, actually. Right, move on. But, yeah... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and move on, you asshole. Okay, so with the story of this, let, let's just talk about a couple of bits. You noted during the watching of this, and I've done a video of this on the Cyberpunk Studios channel called Super Mario Brothers vs. Back to the Future 2, where I noted a very particular connection, as you did while watching this film, that Cooper, or the interpretation of Cooper in this film, is very Trumpian. Yeah, which obviously this is years and years before Trump would be president. A, a, a good, it's so a good 23 years before Trump was president. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's very much a, a, a presidential era Trump as well, whereas the one in Back to the Future 2 is much more a business era Trump, which is what he already was mm. by the late 80s, early 90s. So it's quite interesting. And one of the things that was cut from that is anyone who's a fan of Super Mario Brothers, I know there's probably only two of you, there's a website, smbmovie.com, which is a fan site for it, and you can look up the Super Mario Brothers movie archive on Facebook as well if you want to see more. 
there is deleted footage. In the background of the shots that you can see in the final film, there are big posters, mm. white posters that have images of Cooper... Holding babies holding, and shit. Holding ba- so there's one of him holding a baby, Cooper the Sensitive. There's one of him with a baseball bat, Cooper the Sportsman. There's one with something else, Cooper the Statesman. And basically, that's actually a cut political thing. That, because Buena Vista, when they put the money in, when we don't want it to be full of political references. Now, I will say it's not exactly the most hard-hitting political references, but it actually becomes kind of very apt when you think of him as a Trumpian-style villain. Mm. Because when... Iggy, Spike, Mario and Luigi are coming out of the desert in the garbage van back into Dinah Hatton. There's a cut scene where Luigi questions Iggy and Spike on why there's all these posters that they keep seeing around the city. Mm. Iggy and Spike explain that they have a political system where basically you can vote for anyone you want, but all the political candidates are different forms of Cooper. So you vote for Cooper the Sensitive, or you vote for Cooper the Sportsman, or the right. Statesman. And so essentially you can vote for anyone else, anyone you want, so but long Cooper as it's Cooper. always wins. Yeah. And it's very Hitler-esque, isn't it's, it? Exactly. And, and Murray goes, what sort of system is that? And they go, democracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, that is funny, fair enough. Yeah, and it's, it's quite a shallow piece of political commentary, but it's actually, again, when you put it in the Trumpian-style thing yeah. with what he tried to do, it's kind of like, oh, actually, it's quite apt. There are no plumbers in my city. That's fake news. Yeah, man. If, if he'd just affected a Trump accent doing this part, it would have been oddly prophetic. Uh, so We're going to put you in jail, Mario, <laughs> for a long time. I'm going to devolve you. These, <laughs> these, these Italian-American immigrants coming here to Dino Haddon, they should be... Over the wall. We're going to build a wall around Dino Hatton. It's going to be a sand wall. And we're going to make those fools in Manhattan pay for I it all. I might be getting too political. Uh, <laughs> Trump, Trump's a whipping boy. You're allowed to insult you Trump. You are now. Now he's not, no, no longer president. You can whip him. Uh, there's... Okay, so there's also a plot hole that people sometimes comment on this in film. In the Super do. Mario movie, a but plot hole? there is again a deleted scene that explains it. Uh, yeah, but... So I actually had an interesting discussion the other day, very quickly, because this is a sidebar, sure. with Dave Gardner, who guests frequently on Jamie, Your Film Taste Sucks, yep. where we were on about one thing that... A mutual annoyance we both share. Yeah. Is, you know when you watch a film and the film's bad? Yep. And then people will go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to watch the uncut version. If you watch it with the deleted scenes, it's a bad film. I personally feel, I'm interested to know what your opinion is, no. The theatrical version is the definitive version of the film. Don't get me wrong, the director's vision is obviously, it's a shame that it was ruined, but you can't sit to me, I don't mean like say Blade Runner released different cuts, you can appreciate different cuts, but if a scene is deleted deleted and doesn't go back in yeah. then you can't count it towards the quality of the film I would say a director's cut is better than the, th- if it's certainly if it's better than the theatrical cut, which it almost always is, yeah. then that would be the definitive version, not the theatrical yeah, but cut s- but I see what you mean, if yeah. it's been deleted and it never gets injected back in yeah. you can maybe say that the film would be better with that scene back in yeah. it but it doesn't make it the definitive yeah. movie. So, for example, yeah. Dodgeball. We all know very it's very infamous now that Dodgeball has a deleted ending. It's right? better with the ending it's got. Right. But, but yeah. It, it's the equivalent of someone going, oh, yeah, but you've got to consider it with the ending that was deleted. No. 
Yeah. I haven't. That's not the version that was released in cinemas. Okay. I, I mean, I think you... you I, I kind of half agree. I understand you not taking it as that makes... Therefore, this exists as deleted, therefore the film is better. Mm. I understand that. But you can surely at least be able to discuss the fact that the film would be better with those scenes added back in. Would be, yes. yes. But it won't tempt me. Say I gave a film a B rating, Can you say. appreciate a film if there's a deleted scene that explains something and makes the film better, even if it's not put back in? You can appreciate the fact that there was an attempt to make the film better even though perhaps the director's vision was never realised due to interference I actually use a a system for that in the Resident Evil fan community we kind of have this rule for what's canon in games and not because Resident Evil has a real bad the storyline of Resident Evil literally only a quarter of it exists in the games sure um, the majority we've actually learned from translated expanded materials mm. or from interviews with scriptwriters or directors of the games. Sure. And what we tend to do in that community is, say a director says, oh yes, the person who authorised the bombing of Raccoon City was Jiminy Billy Bob, let's mm. say. We take that as canon until actual content in a game overrules it. Right. Which it did in Resident Evil 6 when they invented Derek Simmons right. and said that he was on the committee to bomb Raccoon City. That has now replaced that in the canon. That okay. would be my opinion on it. Okay, fair enough. Well, I don't think there's that much information on uh, Super Mario Bros. the movie. Uh, to go well, there's, to there's no sequels to overrule it, is there? Uh, yeah, so? and there's no expanded canon. It wasn't really something that you know brought on waves of... <laughs> Waves of novels and comics and people clamouring for more. Um, Yeah. Okay, do you think this film would be improved, on the subject of deletes in, do you think this film would be improved with a rap? Is anything ever improved with a rap? Uh, Except the pokey rap. New metal works better with rapping. Does it? Yes. Does it? I lived through the new metal era. So did I. It was not great. Uh, what? I, it's better than the emo era. No, it's not. Uh, emo era is the worst era. No, emo music at least has a um, no, melody. It does. No, it does n- not. N- new metal, you had Korn who were good. Edema. I don't know who that is. Linkin Park. Linkin Park. Linkin Park. Limp Biscuit are trash. Yeah, but they're fun trash. L- Linkin Park are the standout of the new metal era. They are uh, the best band of the new metal Spine era. Spineshank. Spineshank, dude! They did the theme to Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, beginning of the end. Oh, I've got that. Yeah, Yeah, I've got that song. That's a really good song. I love that song. Yeah, yeah. so, and and that's actually from my favourite album, Papa Roach Good. See? You uh, you always come round to my way of thinking Foo Fires. No, no, no. Foo Fires are not new, man. No, they're not. And Papa Roach... I prefer their newer stuff after they moved away from new metal and went to more classic rock style. Okay, fair enough. But either either way, you instantly came up with those always all garbage, and now that you've named at least five bands you like. Whoa, whoa, no, no. Corn <laughs> have one good album. Uh, uh, fuck Corn. There's <laughs> a Slipknot new metal Slipknot aren't are they? They're, they're like screamo or something. They came out in the new metal era, but I don't think they would classify no, it because yeah, no, they don't th- they don't rap. You'd be looking at. Um, yeah. f- yeah, no, let's forget new metal. Anyway, so you don't think rap would improve this film? I think a new metal soundtrack, I'm kidding. A new um, metal soundtrack could. No, rap, rap would not improve this okay. movie. So anyone who's interested in rap and deleted scenes of films, there is a deleted rap in Super Mario Brothers the movie. Just after Murray has to stick his face between Big Bertha's boobs in the Boom Boom Bar. In a children's film. In a children's film, funded by Disney. There 
is a sequence where in the film you just see Iggy and Spike being pulled away and later on Lena tells Cooper that they were clamouring for your overthrow in the Boom Boom Bar. There is actually a cutscene before they get pulled away where they start rapping about how terrible Cooper is and how the people have to fight against his oppression. And that rap has been found, the, the footage of that was found by the Super Mario Brothers movie archive. So that's available online for you to watch if you're really into pretty bad 90s rapping in your cyberpunky style well not semi-cyberpunky style movies it's a crying shame we're playing his game he's got us so tame it really is lame we're all so dumb being under his thumb be proud reptilians we number in the millions look at these goombas shutting us down the rule of force is the rule of this clown koopa the The party poopa I think the only other thing then to discuss is for anyone who does decide they want to give this film another try after listening to this, just to see if it really is as bad as people say or whatever, there is a shot that will irk you, If certainly if you're an American, certainly if you live in New York. Bear in mind this was made in 1995. When the universes merge whoa, towards whoa, whoa, the end... 95? 93, sorry, in 1993. When the universes start to merge... Cooper Tower starts to replace the Twin Towers mm. so they start to dissolve and look like they've been burnt and smashed yeah. um, so bad time in there yeah so obviously in 93 that was just kind of a cool effect but after 9-11 that's kind of changed uh, so <laughs> kind of a touchy subject kind of a touchy subject not really where we go but I just thought I'd, I'd make people aware of that in case uh, let's say trigger warning shall we say that it's a trigger no, warning no I hate the phrase trigger warning well trigger warning Jamie I'm going to use the word trigger Tr- warning trigger warnings trigger me yeah exactly so I'm giving you a trigger warning I'm going to use the term trigger warning uh, so that's the <laughs> <laughs> that's a very powerful remote on to visuals I, I will admit that this version of the film we watched today did not look as bad as I remember the film looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was Blu-ray, yeah? Yes, yeah, so the film on DVD is infamously awful in both America and UK and pretty much everywhere apart from Sweden where um, <laughs> a very smart... No, there was... I actually had the DVD release of it. It was by Injuta Films. They got the film and they did a rescan for DVD mm. and it was the only one that was legit anamorphic widescreen. And it was also a much cleaner transfer because it was a new transfer. With the American and UK DVDs, they had the same transfer. They were non-anamorphic widescreen, mm-hmm. which means that they were 4 by 3 but with borders at the top and bottom. So when you watch them on a widescreen TV, you end up with a widescreen image but with borders on all four sides. That's what happened to us when we watched Scream. Yes. So it, it, that's what's called non-anamorphic widescreen. Essentially, it's a 4 by 3 image with borders at the top and bottom. And that's how your player will read it. It's like, no, this is a 4 by 3 image, so you've already got the full height taking up your screen. Now, the Blu-ray obviously doesn't have that problem. It's 16 by 9 and it's a really clean, brand new transfer. It's UK exclusive by a really good transfer company called Second Sight Films. And, yeah, it, admit it, it looks fucking great. Was there a big audience in the UK clamouring well, for a high-definition Blu-ray release so, of Super Mario Brothers the movie? It seemed to be big enough. Let's be honest, I worked with for, on quite a few things the Super Mario Brothers movie archive. I'm pretty certain I'm the only Brit on the team. Everyone there is American, but I think in America, when you're looking at getting licensing rights, Buena Vista have those licensing rights... And America is the biggest audience, so I think they keep it sheltered to themselves, Mm. even though Buena Vista themselves seemingly have no interest in re-releasing the film. 
they made one DVD release, as I say, awful quality in like 2001 and never re-released it again. Mm. It's probably easier to do, because it's region locked to um, Europe as well, mm. it was probably easier to get the rights for Europe than it was for America. The other thing that I find weird is when I do my cyberpunk stuff, I have to buy a lot of my films from Germany because America sometimes don't release sort of the more niche stuff. UK releases some niche stuff, but not a lot. Germany releases a shed load of cyberpunk niche stuff. So I'm having to forever import from Germany. This is one time where UK has the exclusive. Germany hasn't got it released either. Uh, take that, you Germans. Yeah. Two, world, two world wars, one world cup, and Super Mario Brothers exactly. on Blu-ray. So we've done the Germans. A- FYI, that's like... Peace, Germany. Calm down, okay? P- Trust, take pity on us. Our country's falling to pieces at take the minute. Take pity on okay? them. They've got Uwe Boll. They can't have a go at the Super Mario Brothers movie when they yeah, have Uwe but, Boll. But they've done the sensible thing and stopped him making films. Yeah, well, they closed the tax loophole he was using. Uh, they're doing well. We're, we're literally living on food banks in this country. Yeah, but we've got Super Mario Brothers the movie, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we can burn the disc to keep us <laughs> is warm Boris when our, the Is Boris our Cooper? Is that what we're getting at? Oh, God. To be fair, Cooper's fairly bumbling. So it's like Boris. Yeah, that, no. Basically, if you de-evolved Cooper slightly to be Iggy and Spike level, you'd have Boris. So that would be more like, um, um, so um, we will um, catch Bomb. Super Mario, um, and we have a <laughs> world beating. We um, must. We must ensure that we uh, we we, ca- we capture the 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 plumbers. And the the pl- uh, plumbers. You ever noticed uh, he ums a lot? He do- yeah, well, he's, he, he ums a lot. Like he's <laughs> not a good public. Anyway, sorry, this is anyway, a political podcast. Let's move away from that very quickly. So visually, you agree it looks good. The cyberpunk, I think, looks incredible as a style, even if it doesn't fit Super Mario Brothers. Would you agree with that, or do you think the cyberpunk is? Yeah, a I, I don't think this is a super cyberpunky movie. Mm. Um, I think it's quite a stretch to call it a cyberpunky movie. It's definitely got a weird techno-futuristic tone to it, which is the last thing you expect when you're watching a Super Mario Brothers movie, is a weird... I, I think I described it while we were watching it as quite Verhoeven-ish. Yes, you did. And actually, that's quite apt in some ways, mm. I would say. Um, obviously, the directors, again, uh, came off the back of Max Hedrum, so they had worked on Cyberpunk quite exclusively, and they had David L. Snyder doing the sets, who had worked on Blade Runner, obviously, among many other things. So they had a, a good Cyberpunk pedigree, to the team, though I I do agree to call it a cyberpunk is kind of pushing that term somewhat. Do you, do you happen to know if these directors ever worked again after this? They did, but not together. Okay. Yeah, so there were uh, a, a duo, Rocky Morton and Annabel Yankel, um, but I believe they fell out during or just shortly after this film. Um, and so they've had certain successes individually, but yeah, they've never been a duo again. They, they, I think the, the film kind of killed an awful lot of people's... Uh, friendships <laughs> uh, because it's that good a film what i would say is there was an if again if you go on smbmovie.com you can see previous versions of scripts there was a very early version which was looked a lot more like the wizard of oz with the yellow brick road and it was much more fantasy oriented it was going to be a much more accurate to the source when they brought annabelle yankel and rocky morton on board they decided to take it into the more cyberpunky style territory but what's weird is the other versions of the story they were going to make. So there are different, as I say, different t- 
types of scripts rewritten from the ground up multiple times. There's one they call the Die Hard script, which, it, had it ever been made, would have had a literal John McClane appearance, squeezing himself through the ducts of Cooper Tower. That's actually in that script. How they would have convinced Bruce Willis to do it, I don't know, but that was the plan. Money, 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 money. Exactly, but it was an independent film when they first started, so I don't know how they thought they were going to afford that much money. There's that, and then there's also what they call the Ghostbusters style script, but I, I don't fully understand why it's called the Ghostbusters style script. I think it's more that the Mario Brothers were going, <laughs> what are you doing with your cream, sir? Uh, <laughs> 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 he's got body lotion he's just opened it up and squirted it on himself like a reject what are you oh, doing no, I'm, I'm, I'm just special I'm, boy I'm imagining what that sounds like to the audience what are you doing with your cream what are you doing with your cream sir I, I just love this movie so much I just jizzed <laughs> No, I'm I'm putting. Don't we all? I'm putting. I know it's terribly professional of me, but I realised I had really dry skin on the bridge of my nose, so I'm putting moisturiser. Maybe co- a lizard. Cocoa butter scented, might Ooh. might I add? Uh, moisturiser <laughs> my nose. Oh, I'm glad this is starting on such a professional ground. <laughs> Well, to be fair, to be fair, the quality of most of the movies we're going to watch oh, by the time by the time we get to episode like a hundred or however many films there are, I'm pretty sure we'll both be suicidal. So yeah, quite possibly. So a couple more visual elements. Uh, Yoshi, the animatronics for Yoshi, I swear down for me personally are better than most of the animatronics in Jurassic Park. But they were in the wrong film, and they came out at the same time as Jurassic Park, so they ended up not being recognised the way they should have been. Yeah, they're not shot as well as in Jurassic Park. No, but that's, again, not... Well, that's because Spielberg is a talented director. Yes, but the Yoshi model is insane, the amount of what it can do, and it's such a small model. Very, very detailed. Yeah, incredible, incredible animatronics. And you've got, the last one here is the Avengers Endgame visual effects that you disagree, oh, but yeah. they totally stole them from Super Mario Brothers. We are gonna if you di- like Avengers Endgame, then you, you no, must like Super Mario we, Brothers. We are going to disagree on this quite a lot. <laughs> it's a standard flake effect. Yeah, but it was they, first used in Super Mario Brothers. I'm sure it was probably used in something before that, to no. be honest. It's a very standard effect. Yeah, but not in 93... Yeah, I'm fairly certain I have horror movies from the 80s that use that effect. Yeah, but we don't watch 80s films. Um, I love 80s movies. <laughs> I know, they're good films. Um, <laughs> but it, it did not... Don't get me wrong, Like it's fine for this film. It's, it suits the aesthetic. But you are blind if you think it looks... To be fair, there's no reason it would look as good as the Avengers Endgame one. The Avengers Endgame one had literally millions of dollars spent on And about that. an extra 30 years of technology behind it. Yeah. Um, but, it kind of... The effect kind of goes over the actors in this. Yes. And they fade away. Whereas in Avengers, it literally does look like their skin is flaking off their body. Sure. But in my defence, it looks exactly like Avengers Endgame's effects because I've not really watched Avengers Endgame. Well then... <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's, it's a really weird effect though like for some reason Mario grows bigger while it's happening but no one else does because he used a mushroom and for so he got some, bigger and for so, yeah and for, for another re- some reason when Cooper gets wiped uh, gets dusted for lack of a better word he's spinning around like he's in a Kylie Minogue no, music spin, video his body stays static and his head spins dear around. lord there's no explanation oh, so, so, for that so he's in The Exorcist something like that yeah cool so this is like better than The Exorcist uh, Your mother's in here with us. <laughs> so that's video. Uh, audio. Let's move on to audio. 
So on the audio side, um, we <laughs> there's a couple of things. Uh, Dan Castellaneta opens the movie with uh, Bye Bye Dinah George. Yeah, with who, the Brooklyn-style voiceover. Yeah, with the terrible Brooklyn-style voiceover. Dan Castellaneta is better known as, I believe, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. Yeah. He's also... He's a few characters in Simpsons. Yes. He also... Interesting for any Disney nerds out there, when Disney fell out with Robin Williams, Dan Castellaneta replaced him as the genie in, the in all of film. the direct-to-video Aladdin sequels and the show? Play, and plays the genie in Kingdom Hearts, I believe. Oh, okay. As well, because obviously Robin Williams got... Well, he got screwed over by Disney on something. I can't yeah. remember what it was. I think he did it on the proviso that they wouldn't merchandise the character. And then they merchandised the character because, of course, they did their Disney. Yeah. So he refused to come back and do it again for them because yeah. they broke the proviso. Uh, so, yeah, so that's uh, an interesting note. Uh, what do you think of the score? Alan Silvestri from Back to the Future? Um, it didn't stand out, I've got to admit. Not it even was... when they're driving in the van? No, it, it's not one of those scores that <sighs> sticks with me. Um, to be honest, literally the only piece of music that stood out was right at the beginning over the opening title logos where it plays the da 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 I was kind of hoping for a duet there, but okay. Oh, well, we can do a duo for no, no, one. No, 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 no. The moment's no, passed. No, 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 I won't, no, I won't do the song with you now, Rory. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> what do you think I am of, here. Did you find it, the audio clean, audible, usable? Yeah, although there were times I could not hear what... Leguizamo mumbles a lot of his words in this. He does mumble a bit. Um, and there are times when Bob Hoskins' accent becomes unintelligible. No. Like, for the most part, it is very good. Like, you know, ah, we gotta get over here. Ah, Scapelli's here and stuff like that. Scapelli, get your belt on, kid. Yeah. We're going in. But there were times where it was too gruff, you know? Yeah. And I was like, what are you saying? I think you've literally just put pebbles in your mouth. And a guy... <laughs> it was probably while he was drunk on set. Those yeah, bits yeah. We, forgot to, we forgot to mention that, didn't we? That Leguizamo and Hoskins were drunk for the majority yeah, of this movie. They were doing shots between takes because the script didn't actually matter. Because it's been rewritten every day. This movie doesn't matter. Oh, no, it's such a good movie. Of course it matters. Everyone says it's the worst video game movie and they're absolutely categorically oh, no, no, wrong. No, no, it's we'll not come, the worst. it's yeah. not the worst video game we'll movie. We'll come to that it, in a minute. It, it wasn't directed by Uwe Boll, therefore it cannot be the exactly. worst one. Okay, so, and the only other one I've got on here is, like, well, there's two more. Uh, and they're to do with the licensed music that's yeah. used in there. Now, number one, Joe Satriani, when they're going down the ice pipe, is fucking amazing, because it's Joe Satriani, and Joe Satriani is just amazing. Do you agree or not? You have no idea who Joe Satriani is, do you? No, I've no clue. No, okay, you're a moron. There is... <laughs> No, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I stopped. You, you, I blanked you, out for five minutes and stopped listening. What did you say? Joe Satriani did the. Like, when they're going down the ice pipe. The down, I'm not going to lie. That was the part of the film where I, I briefly checked out for a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I clocked back in when they started for the final fight with Cooper. Sure. But yeah, I had a bit. I remember looking up and seeing the ice pipe, but I did not pay any attention to oh, that. Oh, man, you missed the best movie. Because this film is not good. Yeah, there is also the main theme of the of the film. Well, there's two main themes. There's "Walk the Dinosaur" by George Clinton, and but it's, this one is George Clinton and the Goombas. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, because they added a few different things to make it <laughs> Super Mario Brothers the movie related, because uh, that's what it needed. And then there's uh, the other film, which is "Do the Hocus Pocus with Me," which was written for Hocus Pocus, and for some reason was given. 
to the Super Mario Brothers movie against the wishes of the musicians and the directors of the film. They, for some reason, used a theme tune made for Hocus Pocus, which, like, in the line, do the Hocus Pocus with me. Why is What's that got to do with Super Mario Brothers? The mo- like, even the movie itself, it has what nothing of, to do what with. What have Devolution Race got to do with Super Mario Brothers? Well, because they use super scopes. Maybe, maybe up is down, left is right, and the moon's made out of cheese. Nothing used, really matters at this they point. They were super scope ha- light, light guns they were using. Like the, on the snares, you had these big rocket launcher-shaped light guns. And what they did on the film was they took those, they chopped them and extended them a bit, painted them grey, and that's what, what the devolution guns were. They're actually snares light guns. Are you making this up or no. are you being real now? No, I'm being absolutely real. Look up the SNES Super Scope Ninten- and you will see it. Nintendo are garbage. And the fact... <laughs> the fact... You know what? I'm going to say this. Nintendo fans will hate I, you I'm right gonna, now. Yeah, come, you can't yeah, say Nintendo no, no, are no, garbage. Come at me, Nintendo fans, because I'm going to say this and I mean it. It no. breaks my heart that Sega went out of business and Nintendo didn't. Because that... that why that would you make a that crime. peripheral? Why would you make that peripheral? And that hasn't stopped, I'm though. A- Look at the Wii. They were ch- remember the, the light gun they charged everyone for for the Wii? It was a lump of plastic you put your Wii remote into. Yes. And they were charging like light gun prices. Yeah, I know. For a lump of plastic. You are terrible, Nintendo. Okay. Come at me, bro. Okay, well, I mean, that, that's kind of a sidebar, talking about the companies themselves, but I do agree that it was criminal that Sega got booted out of the race mm. because they were, by far, probably the most innovative of the main companies. Sony took Sega's marketing from the Mega Drive and boosted it up to 11. Yeah. So their marketing, yeah, their marketing for the PlayStation, which was essentially shitting on the competition, as Sega had done to Nintendo the prior gen, was Ooh. inspired and genius. Sega had made mistakes during the mid-90s, absolutely. That, I mean, let's be honest. The 32X was a bad idea. The rushing out of the Saturn was a bad idea. The, uh, and the way that they treated the Saturn over its lifespan was a bad idea. However, the Dreamcast deserved to win that gen. Absolutely, hands down. The PlayStation 2 did nothing to earn its winning of that generation. It, it basically coasted off of the reputation of the former PlayStation. Yeah, and the fact it looked cool, didn't it? And it well, the Slim did. The original sleek didn't. and black. And well, the original didn't. The original looked like a yeah. box. In fact, was... I remember it being advertised as a, as a nice stand for your Dreamcast. <laughs> 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 they did that with... Um... Uh, was it with the newest Xbox? Oh, the Xbox they One They were like, S. oh, it's a, it's a stand to put a PlayStation on or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's another terrible design, the Xbox One I mean, I'm, I'm one of the heathens who's joined the race of PC gamers at this point. Oh, I can't it's... do that because PC games never work on my PC. Oh, see, I've ju- my I... PC's got the power to do it, but sod knows how you make PC games work if they're not on Steam. Essentially, that's that's all I can do. I've tried emulation, and I can sometimes get it to work. Sometimes emulation just doesn't want to work anymore that's, in real life. I don't know. That's really odd because oh, I mean, I, yeah. you're far more techie than I am, and I've managed to get it working yeah. just fine. On no, I, I need something plug and play when I play I, games because for whatever reason, I've tried. Every, I, I literally go into code and stuff to try and make things work, and it just doesn't. Because so I, I don't a, have a clue. I am a bit of a word you can't say anymore when it comes to technology. But yeah, fair enough. Mm, yeah, cool. cool when you cool, say word cool, you can't cool, say cool. anymore, do you mean a, a word you're a, you mean you're a dinosaur? Yes. Not a word that begins with R and is offensive to people. Oh, I thought you meant dinosaur because we were talking about Super Mario Brothers and the, the Dino Hatton. Well, I'll let I'll let the listeners decide if I'm a dinosaur. I still watch movies via a DVD <laughs> via via a SCART cable. SCART? Why are you using a SCART? Because SCART's awesome. Scott is the best of the analogue form, but you've got an Xbox 360, have you not? Yeah. Use an HDMI. 
Yeah, but I like, like a scar. human being. I like the scar. Why? I, mean, I, I do use HDMI now, but literally up until like last year, I was using SCART, and then my friend Luke came over, and I think literally threw my SCART cable away because he was so disgusted. Don't throw the SCART cable away. When you say SCART cable, please tell me you mean the SCART box, not the three-pin composite. No, no, the, the red, white, oh, and yellow. Oh, no, you're such a loser. <laughs> That's not even SCART. Isn't it? That's composite. That's the worst connection oh, except for RF. But even it if it fine. No, no, it didn't look fine. It did look fine. It looked god-awful. Get the SCART box, a Euro SCART box. That's the way you do it. If you're going to... You're in the UK, you don't even have an argument. I know people in the US use composite because they're morons and they can't be bothered to import fucking Euro SCARTs, but they've got at least import they can at least go well it's going to take time and import fees you don't have that excuse but if you're going to use analogue put- formats use a SCAR why put the ports on the TV if I'm not going to use them do you use the RF port for your Playstation 2 as I, well I don't know what an RF port is that's the aerial cable that you have to tune in oh my god if I knew that was there I would totally use it yes, I'm miss- there I'm mistuning aerials why do you mistune aerials I, I, I miss TVs with the bunny rabbit ears on well top of I've them. got some so you can yes. come round you can tune to your heart's delight what there's nothing to you, watch have you got a CRT while you're at it. I have. That, that, they're on CRTs. I've got. Yeah. I've got two portable CRTs. I've got a big CRT. Joe, you know I want. I I've want, actually got an analog LCD I, portable. I, I TV. want. My grandma used to have one of these. I want one of those big wooden TVs with the glass screen that comes out the front yep. and dials on it. No remotes. Get off the chair, you lazy fuck, and turn the dials. <laughs> anyway, we're well off topic. Christ, we're going old school. Okay, cool. Re- re- wicker, wicker, rewind. Back right. to Super Mario Brothers. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with audio. I, the audio was clean and clear. The vi- video quality was awesome. Yeah, it wasn't bad audio. It wasn't anything special for me. Like, it, not, none of it sticks out in my memory. No, fair but enough. But it wasn't terrible. Like, I wasn't having to constantly turn the TV up. and Yeah. Like, you get some modern films where you turn the music oh, up. Man. You have to turn it up while people are talking. And then, then something explodes. And you're like, ah! Yeah, I call them American soundtracks. Because they're, they're bad I, mixes. I, I call them Chris Nolan films. Whee! Oh, my God! Can't believe you... Went there. <laughs> this is the this is the point where eventually we make it with our filmmaking careers. We get given our first big budget. And Chris Nolan comes then, up to you and he's like, "Can't hear anything, can you?" And then we suddenly get a phone call from <laughs> Disney or whoever, and they go, "Yeah, boys, we're pulling the funding. Why, Chris Nolan's here? <laughs> he listened to your podcast." And oh no, he's like, "Yeah, fuck those guys." Yeah, uh, t- to be honest, yeah, uh, you probably say that as soon as we make anything anyway. It's like I could have made that better, and but, you know he probably could as well. But, between this and me over on Jamie, your film taste sucks slagging off Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I'm you're, you're sure I'm not slagging. Film career. What's weird is we, I'm not slagging off any directors. You're doing all of it. You've, yeah. you've slagged off Tarantino. You just slagged it, off Christopher Nolan. Because, you wanted to call this series "Paul Anderson Must Die" because he must. And that's Paul W. S. Anderson. You didn't want to confuse it with Paul Thomas Anderson. No, no, Paul Thomas Anderson is a skilled filmmaker. Yeah, Paul W. S. Anderson is a crook. He made Mortal Kombat. It's a good film. He's a crook. Anyway, <laughs> my point is to be fair. Just to be clear, because I know people are snowflakes now. Oh, I don't. That I don't want anyone to die. Death is terrible. Blah blah blah. I'm being dramatic for dramatic effect because it's fucking entertaining. Okay, it's I don't not really entertaining want anyone when you to explain die. it. <laughs> it's not entertaining if one of them. Allow does me to die. explain the joke, ladies and gentlemen. Now. The- <laughs> And you just destroyed the equipment. Can you tell we're recording this late at night with hardly any sleep? I, I got drunk last night as well, so that doesn't help. <laughs> I've been te- I've been teaching all day. Yes. Tiny children running around. Tiny children. At one point, they backed me into a corner, and I was like, guys, Are back you sure up. you weren't... No, no, seriously. 
honestly, they were doing it to wind me up because I was like, guys, give me some space. And they kept coming closer and closer. And I was like, dear Lord, this is Children of the Damned. <laughs> Help me. So I was, I was Jamie starting, nearly died tonight. I was starting to wonder at what, how close do the kids have to get before it's legal to spin kick them? <laughs> Away from me, for <laughs> Maybe if you do spin class? Yeah, it's been so wherever you want. We're off topic anymore. Yes. Like we're done with audio, yeah? Yep, so let's let's just discuss final thoughts on the film and then we'll go through a couple of references. Actually, no, you know what? References, I just want to just do this quickly. Um, if you go to smbmovie.com, go under special features and then game references. I'm not, because I don't want to cover them all in here because it will just be boring for anyone who's not that bothered. But there's a lot of things in there. There's uh, references to the Boos as P- Boo Diddley, which was their name, and a reference to Bo Diddley, the rock star, in the background of the film. There's the Boom Boom Bar, which is named after Boom Boom. You've got the Bullet, Bullet Bills. Bills. You've got Big Bertha, who's named after the big red fish that eats Mario, a literal man eater. Each of the characters has some connection connection to a video game character including Scapelli as both Foreman Spike and Donkey Kong and it also covers a few characters who would have been connected in the deleted scenes had they ever been made I helped with this website though it is very out of date this was about 10-12 years ago so don't expect modern HTML it's, it's very old school but there's a lot of stuff in there anyone who's a big fan of Nintendo and Mario in general and wants to see just how many references were plastered in the film go onto that website smbmovie.com Go into special features and then game references and you'll see huge numbers of them. There's Sniffits, there's Sparky, there's the Fungus Squad, which look like Shy Guys. You've got Roto Disc mentioned, you've got Rex, you've got Ostro, you've got all sorts of stuff. Just Wiggler, the Caterpillar, is mentioned as a Mexican-style beer. You've got all of this stuff in there. Just go on there and, and knock your hearts out. It's absolutely chock full of references, I promise you that. It's not just, you know, as much as the story isn't directly connected to the series, the elements in the background are really worth your time. Yeah, so that's all I want to say with references. Uh, I think we should go to final thoughts. So, this film has a reputation as the worst video game movie ever made. Um, I think it's fully unearned. I think there's, there's a lot of positives to this film that make it absolutely not that. And there are a lot worse films. Outside of Uwe Boll, because every single one of his films definitely is worse than the Super Mario Brothers movie, I think it's probably worse than The Room, let alone the Super Mario Brothers movie. What films do you think would be worse than Super Mario Brothers movie, if any? Not counting Uwe Boll. Not counting Uwe Boll, because that would just be too easy. Obviously, I hate the Resident Evil ones more, because they are... Personally, to you. Yeah, although I think they probably are better made than this one. I'd say the first one is, but not the sequels. The second one, I'd say, is as well. Okay. Um, The third one is garbage, so maybe I wouldn't say the third one is. The third one is very bad. Um, Oh, and, and the last one, the last Resident Evil film, the final chapter, I swear to God, this is how bad the last one is. If I'd have made that at uni and handed it in, I would have failed my course. I guarantee it. Mate, you can't... It's so darkly lit in some scenes... So it's very Uwe Boll in style. ...that you can't yeah. see what's happening. Anyway, yeah, he likes we, we'll dark. get there, unfortunately. We'll get to that. So, okay, um, so you'd, you'd, I would say this is not the worst film ever made. It's a bad adaptation. Okay. I, I think it was doomed to fail because even with such a talented cast and crew, it's a bad concept. Sure. Me and you, when we were watching it, we mentioned, didn't we, that this should have been, and maybe it was the fact Bob Hoskins is in it that gave me the idea, this should have been done 
Roger Rabbit style. Yeah. Or to be honest, just purely animated. I'm very happy that the new Mario film's going to be purely animated. Yeah, I'm a bit I disappointed that Seth Rogen's in it though, because I'm not a big fan of Seth no, Rogen. <laughs> I just I just don't think that Mario works as a live action thing. No, I can see I can see your point. I think that's why they adapted it this way. But again, that doesn't forgive the fact that adapting yeah. it this way didn't really work either. Uh, I'm not going to recommend that anyone goes back and checks it out unless yeah. you are particularly interested in either the history of video game movies or rare and odd movies yeah. or to you be would, honest yeah. if you want to get drunk with some friends and laugh at things yeah um, so, i mean you'd agree it's a unique film because yeah uh, in that regard if you want to see something different that you won't see anywhere else the super mario brothers movie also counts i think towards that i Outside of it being a movie adapt, uh, a Mario adaptation, mm. if you take Mario, the Mario adaptation out of it, is it enjoyable in and of itself? Uh, no, I no. Che- I checked out a few times. Fair play. Yeah, I actually think it is enjoyable in and of itself. But then I again, I think I'm a bit. I've got kind of a kitsch interest. The fact that it's unique fascinates me. Mm. But I understand that not everyone has that same thing. Where it's like this is weird. I love it. Not everyone has that connection to weirdness. Yeah. Uh, when something's really weird, I'm like, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Why is this so... How is this so yeah. bad? How is it like... You know, and that really excites me. Which is odd, um, though, because I am like that with films like Detention and Kaboom, both of which are batshit movies that... Aren't they horror films, though? No, no? not really. Um, okay. Detention has a lot of parody horror in it. Okay. Um, Kaboom is an LGBT film that's very weird i couldn't even tell you what genre it is because it, it flips through about five different genres during its runtime right geez. it's very interesting and it has the weirdest ending any fi- in a way it's the greatest ending that any film has ever had <laughs> um, but i just don't feel it for mario i i, I was going to ask um because i don't know if this has an impact right, but i was curious what was your experience when you first saw this like how old were you like what were the circumstances of you first seeing this movie so I would have seen it when it came out in cinemas uh, as a child, but uh, my parents decided we should go and watch Jurassic Park instead because it's Steven Spielberg. Um, Probably a good call. Possibly, but I didn't. I was a massive fan of dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. That's why we went and watched Jurassic Park. It was going to be a dinosaur movie one way or the other. The problem was I came out of Jurassic Park crying because I was six. Uh, it was yeah, I was about six or seven. And uh, the bit where the Tyrannosaurus Rex first comes out and starts eating people, that's scary for someone who grew up on Care Bears. That's... <laughs> so, yeah, that was... I don't understand how Jurassic Park's a PG with the amount of horror that's in it, whereas, you know, there, there are certain things like Mrs. Doubtfire or a 12 because it's got a man dressing as a woman. I'm like... Is that how, the reason? That's the reason. Is, and Because he swears a few times. No, it's because he's man dressed as a woman. Bloody hell. And that's why, he, that's why Robin Williams really disappointed in the BBFC, who do the ratings in the UK, for giving it that score, because it's a legal requirement. In America, it's not a legal requirement. You have to have it. I think you still have to have it rated, but like parents can go, well, it's like the equivalent of a 12, but I can say my kid can watch it. Yeah, they can. Um, and at the time, we have 12A now, which does the same thing. Yeah, do you but know at why the that time, was, it was a, It was a hard 12, and that was because of Spider-Man. 12A? No, 12A was invented because of Spider-Man. I thought it was because of The Dark Knight. No, it's Spider-Man. 
Oh, okay. The first Spider-Man was a 12A, and it was the first 12A there was, because there was 12 before that. Oh, for some reason, I had in my head that it was the Dark Knight. No, it was a good five years before that. Because I remember there was a whole <laughs> thing with Dark Knight, wasn't there? Because people assume Batman films are for kids. And Heath Ledger yes. is quite scary in that oh, film. He's, yeah, that, that's not a kid's movie at all. Like, I don't think kids would understand half of it, to be honest. They wouldn't appreciate it. No, they couldn't appreciate the artistry of it. The first time I actually got to watch it, I bought a uh, what ended up being a pirate VHS. I didn't know to look for the signs at the time. I started to play this game with my brother uh, where I would buy him a decent Christmas and birthday present but I'd also buy him a really crap one mm. and the first crap film I ever bought him as part of this joke was the Super Mario Brothers movie on VHS second hand mm. and it turned out I actually bought a pirate copy as well and I wish I still had it because it would be quite funny on the back with the blurb that was on the back of the box it was someone's review saying how bad the film was that's a big giveaway that it was a pirate box and not the legit copy. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that was my first experience of it. But I watched it, and at the t- I was aware at the time that it was known as the worst video game movie ever made. Throughout the 2000s, certainly, that opinion seemed to hold quite solidly. This is the worst video game movie ever created. Uh, even though Mortal Kombat Annihilation had already been out by that point, somehow they were still trashing Super Mario Brothers. When I watched it, I was like, oh, this is going to be absolute garbage. And I was mesmerised by how weird it was. Within that sort of 10-year period, I got kind of... I was like, why do people keep saying this is hot garbage? There's much worse out there. Mm. You know, for me, I'd say Double Dragon, which came out a couple of years later, or the, about a year later, was worse. Mm. I'd say Assassin's Creed is worse because I, I haven't seen Assassin's Creed but I've heard very bad things about yeah, it yeah well the worst thing about Assassin's Creed is obviously as far as CGI is concerned it's got a lot more going for it and things like that but it commits the most cardinal sin for me of any film it's absolutely dire yeah if you're boring, I'm not going to keep engaged. Yeah. Funnily enough, I actually agree with you on this. That though I've said it before on the podcast, I said it in seminars at uni. The worst sin a film can commit is being boring. Yep, and it absolutely. Like, I don't. I know you checked out a couple of times, so we may uh, your mileage may differ. But for me, I don't get bored of Super Mario Brothers by mm. watching it. Obviously, for yourself, there was a, a variance there. You checked out once or twice, as you say. So mileage may vary. Uh, if you like something really odd, kitchen unique, you probably get more out of Super Mario Brothers. But it is a hard. It's hard to recommend for me. I'd say it's an average film, but I'm intrigued by the behind the scenes, and I understand that not a lot of people are. So yeah, no, I, I'd be interested in seeing. Uh, you mentioned the special feature that's on the Blu-ray. Yes, and I'd be interested in seeing that because I do like watching how films are made. And, yeah, that, and that, I mean, hearing the goss, they're really blunt. Like there's 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 people on there. The guy who played Spike is on there, and I, I don't know what's happened to him. I think he's been through a hard time because uh, <laughs> I think a lot of it may be drug related. But he he's on there mumbling most of the time. Basically saying how bad the film was, like you know, really slagging it off. Yeah. Uh, the directors who were basically thrown off set halfway through, they were both individually had an interview on there, and actually they they look back at it quite fondly now, being able to appreciate for what it is and the fact that there is a fan base for it. Yeah. I suppose that helps is the fact that someone's appreciating it finally after all this time, uh, at least as a filmmaker, whether or not you believe the film deserves it or not. But they they were very. I mean, it, it's. I've never seen a documentary 
interviewing people who are involved in a project like this who are so blunt. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, these guys screwed up. This ruined the film. These guys screwed up. These guys did this. Wow. The, and, like, and you, there's different people blaming different people. There's some people that blame the directors. Like, and Bob Hoskins very clearly did a Guardian article where he said the directing duo was a, a couple of married people whose ignorance was mistaken for talent, which may or may not be the case, but the directors actually make a very good and convincing argument for the fact that they were screwed over prior to filming beginning mm. by the studio and they gave a lot of information about how the studio screwed the film over it's really fascinating to listen to if you're going to watch it the blu-ray is the only way to watch it really at this point because all other versions look horrific and if you're going to get the blu-ray you may as well watch the behind the scenes thing because it's really eye-opening it's one of the only times i've watched an extra and gone this adds astronomical value to the film yeah. like certain things like commentaries will add some value this is the only time I bought it and went you know what this is so crucial to this film it adds unbelievable amounts of value to the disc yeah. so that's my view yeah I think that's that's enough on Super Mario Brothers you wouldn't recommend it no. I would recommend it but only if you're either a filmmaker or someone who's really into kitsch films if you're not specifically, you can probably avoid it, but it is absolutely, we both agree, it's not, it is far from the worst video game movie adaptation of all time. It's, uh, I would say, at least enjoyable. I wouldn't say enjoyable, but it's not the worst. It's, yeah. it's not the worst. And that's your accurate information. It, it doesn't, it's not so badly made that I feel personally offended watching it. What if it was made by Paul W.S. Anderson? Well, that'd be fucking typical for him, because <laughs> he, he does these video game films, and they're never actually based on the game that they're about. That's true. I mean, this is probably has more in common with the game than Resident Evil did, but... This <laughs> <laughs> for another time. Thanks very much for tuning into this first episode, guys, and we will catch you next time. So goodbye, Jamie. Bye-bye. Yeah!